Hello and welcome to the Scottish Clans. I'm Clint. Thank you for joining me today. What I've got to share with you today has been a long time coming and I'm excited to get to it. But before I do, let me get a, give a shout out to my sponsor, USA Kilts. They, uh, they have had, I've been in, impressed enough with their, the quality of their merchandise, their, their products, specifically the kilt. But everything that I have from them, which adds more than that, more than just a kilt, that I'm going back to them for more. So we are in the works of getting a more casual kilt spun up. They've got several different versions of kilts, and they've got tons of different stuff that you can wear to express your pride in your Scottish, specifically or more generally Celtic heritage. Yep, they've got Welsh and Irish stuff on there too, and even more than that. So go on usakilts.com and also check out their YouTube channel to see some great content on not only just wearing kilts and other um, Scottish-themed traditional clothing, but also they've got stuff on Scottish history and culture and all sorts of cool stuff on there, and they've got lots of content. You could you could spend a long time on that channel. So at least go check them out. At the, the YouTube channel is USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions, and their storefront is usakilts.com. So... What are we going to be getting into today? Today, I'm going to share with you some of the things that I learned by reading Stephen Boardman's The Campbells, 1250 to 1513. I'm really excited to get there with this. Um, I read this this last winter, and I had my marking pencil ready every time I sat down. Stephen Boardman, I wish every clan could have somebody to do a work on their clan like Stephen Boardman has done on the Campbells. However, in case some of you are, I mean, if you're so put off by the fact that this is going to be a Campbell-centric episode, then you probably wouldn't have clicked on this and selected this to listen to or watch. Yeah, we're doing, we're doing, uh, we're, we're filming from now on. I've just decided when we record a podcast, and by we, I mean I, it's going to be with a video aspect to it too. And so you're either listening to this on your podcast platform of your choice, or you might be watching this on YouTube. But um, I've been I've been anxious to get to this for a long time and cover this material. I've, I've highlighted so much out of this, and it's not just about the Campbells. I think that's what I wanted to get to there. Is it's not just about the Campbells. It's about the, the, uh, the, the culture, the society they lived in, it's about the kin-based society. It's about the current events that they lived through during the time period that you saw in that book, the 1250 through 1513. And there's a lot of stuff in there about other clans because they didn't, the Campbells didn't live in a vacuum or a, or a bubble where they didn't interact with anybody. Now they interact with a lot of people and not all of it was contrary to common belief, the Campbells cheating out of them, them out of their land. So, or doing some dreadful massacre. There's a lot more to it than that. And I, fact, I, th I think that's one of the great things you can get from like the, why this book is valuable is so, because it offers a more rounded picture of the Campbells aside from what's been presented. Hey, sweetheart. Okay. That was, that's my little, my little, my youngest there. She's so awesome. Anyway, um, she just woke up from a nap. Little kids are just so 
precious when they're still rubbing the sleep out of their eyes. I don't know why that is. If you uh, if you feel the same way, go ahead and uh, go ahead and give me a like. <laughs> you know, it's all about the kin-based society, right? Well, it starts right here in the house, right here in the home. So there we go. That's I'm not going to edit that out. I'm leaving that in. Anyway, the per, the point that back to what I was saying. The, the Stephen Boardman pro, provides a very well-rounded picture of the Campbell history. No, he doesn't smooth over the rough patches. No, he doesn't. Now, the the really the you saw the time frame there, the 1250 through 1513. A lot of the things that people have against the Campbells happened after that. So there's not a lot that he needs to smooth over, but that's, you can tell that he's not. This isn't pro pro Campbell propaganda. But the it's it's a rich rich history. Now all I'm going to do today with this episode is just read one one um, paragraph. It's kind of a long paragraph, but it's just one paragraph. There's so much in there about Campbell origins, and that's a that's a focus of this episode. Campbell origins. I'm going to read the paragraph just straight out of the book right there. And then I'm going to make a few comments about what I think is noteworthy in there. What, what I find is interesting. Hopefully you find it interesting too. All right. So this comes from page, starts on page 10, goes to page 11. And, uh, and I hope you enjoyed this. I hope my reading voice is okay for you. And I hope you don't mind me just reading out of a book, but I'm not going to pretend to do better than uh, Stephen Boardman here. So I'm just going to go straight out of the book. Here he goes, quote, although Neil Campbell is the first member of the family for whom the outlines of a career can be discerned, recent historians have properly laid stress on the fact that Clan Campbell was a well-established kindred with wide-ranging territorial interests long before the end of the 13th century. The earliest surviving genealogy relating to the family is contained in a collection dating from circa 1400 the manuscript of 1467, that records the descent of a number of the leading Gallic aristocrat, aristocratic kindreds in the Hebrides, Argyle, and the Scottish West Coast. In his groundbreaking study of the origins of the family, David Seller collated the Campbell genealogy found in manuscript 1467 with genealogies preserved in the 16th century Kilbride manuscript, now lost, and the 17th century collection of the Irish genealogist Duald McFeirbish. Despite some minor inconsistencies, the various genealogical tracts presented a broadly consistent picture of the descent of late medieval Campbell lords. Taking the genealogy studied by Seller in conjunction with contemporary references to individual Campbell lords in, their, in other sources, Neil emerges as the representative of an aristocratic lineage that could trace its descent with reasonable certainty back into the 12th century. Hmm. Neil himself was the son of the well-attested Colin, probably the Colin Moore from whom subsequent Campbell chiefs were said to derive their distinctive Gallic style, MacCollin Moore. Colin's own father, Gillespeck, appeared in royal record in 1262 to 1263 and 1266. For the generations beyond Gillespeck, we rely largely on the sometimes conflicting genealogies examined by Seller. These agree that Gillespeck's father was named Dougald, while McFeirbish's genealogy alone asserts that this man was the first of the line to bear the name Campbell, probably derived from the Gallic by name Campbell, 
indicating a wry or twisted mouth. Above Dougal, the genealogies show some divergence, but importantly, all claim that Dougal's father or great or grandfather was named Duncan. In a charter issued by David II in 1369, the then Campbell chief had confirmed to him the lands and rights held by his progenitor, one Duncan McDownia, or McDunia, in the lordship of Lacha and elsewhere in, La in, in Argyle. The 1369 charter makes it clear that in the 14th century, Duncan McDunia was regarded as a prominent ancestor from whom the Campbell lineage claimed to derive rights to land and lordship in Lacha. The terms of the royal grant suggest that elements of the Campbell genealogy recorded in circa 1400 were, to place, were in place by 1369, and, as Seller argued, also support the assertion made in later family histories that the Campbells emerged from an earlier kindred that originally bore the name Macdunia or Odunia. Beyond the Dunia, from whom the family name Macdunia or Odunia is said to derive, the Campbell genealogy record a series of rather bizarre names that seem to have a strong British resonance. Seller, argues on to, Seller goes on to argue that this belief in British descent represented the earliest strand of Campbell thinking as to the origins of their own family. Thus, the Campbell genealogy in manuscript 1467 extended back from the chief alive in 1400, which was Colin, to the legendary British King Arthur, the son of Uther Pendragon, the undisputed king of the world. The Arthurian slash British descent claimed for Clan Campbell remained a constant feature of Gallic poems and genealogies produced for the family in the medieval and early modern periods. This fact, combined with the early concentration of family members in and around the Firth of Clyde, might suggest the kindred's origins genuinely lay in a district where the influence and prestige of the old British kingdom of Strathclyde still lingered, and Sellers argued plausibly that the earldom of Lennox was a likely area for the genesis of the family, unquote. All right. Well, I hope I, I wasn't too dry just reading out the book for you. But there's a lot of intricacies in there. I'm just going to cover three things. I might remember to, there's one thing else in there that I hadn't made a note of that caught my eye. I'm, I might remember when I get to the end of my three to talk about that. But for sure, three. But the reason I wanted to read the whole thing is because maybe there's some things in there that I didn't dial in on that you think are significant. And if that is the case, then I would encourage you to go ahead and throw some comments on that in the, the put your comments in the comments, whether you're doing it on YouTube, um, where this is published on, a, I'll publish it on my Facebook group, Scottish Clans, wherever you're seeing this, find one of the platform in there, add to the conversation. Okay. So let's talk about the first thing that I thought was of note. One is how far back the Campbell kindred goes. Now, I know they claim connection clear back to King Arthur. Do they actually trace? Can they solidly link that? No. And every time I see a clan history that says, hey, we're descended from this Gaulish tribe, I'm like, hmm, or some... Roman era British tribe, you know, I just kind of shrug my shoulders and maybe they are, maybe they're not, but I don't, 
it's kind of a leaky vessel to put a lot of trust in with with that much lack of, of documentary evidence. But it seems like both Boardman and Seller are confident in getting this lineage back in the 1100s. Why do I think that's significant? Because a lot of the clans that became clans that we would recognize today, and I'm going to address that. That's a little, little bit of a tangent I could go off on to, but I'm going to resist the, the urge. Clans that we would recognize today, like your neighbors or your grandmother had this name, people you know today, they didn't become, they didn't, they didn't obtain that recognizable form as far as a surname is concerned until the late 1200s, early 1300s. If they're from Norman stock, maybe back earlier, which actually directly lays into the, the historical context here. Why is the, why are the 1100 significant? Well, because whether the Campbells were Gales or Britons, which it looks like Britons, we'll talk about that in a second, they were obtaining um, a recognizable kindred form in the 1100s. And that was a time period where most of the Normans were very first coming in to Scotland. So... Um, how long did it take? It, it, we, we don't know what part was the early 1100s, late 1100s. It just said the 1100s, so it didn't get too specific. Um, and where would that compare with the reign of David I? I'm not telling you no Normans made it into Scotland before David I, but he really flung the doors wide open. And there's history behind that. I won't go off on that tangent, but but that's when a lot of the Normans that we knew from we know from Scottish history came into the country. And anyway, so that's what's going on during that time period. But it, like I said, it's earlier than a lot of kindreds that we recognize today take their present form. And another, so that, yeah, I just think that's cool. It solidly goes back to the 1100s. Maybe they do trace back to King Arthur. I don't know. If you think they trace back to King Arthur, leave it in the comments. The Here's another thing I think is really interesting. I, I talked about the the kindred taking the form that we know today, as you may have note, noted during that me reading that paragraph, the Campbell, Campbells as a kindred identifiable as Campbells, they were they were they emerge out of a previous kindred under a different name known as Mac or Odunia. A couple of things I think are significant about this. One, if the Campbells cut come out of a kindred that if unless we had that record unless we knew that that history that this is back we would never know that they come from a previously existing kindred that was known and had property and territory um, we would just be like oh this one guy that was a Campbell got some power and then he got some influence and then it went from there no they emerged out of what was or an earlier kindred under a different name, but their mo more modern form is Campbell's, and that's how we would recognize them today. And the reason I think that's significant is because if that's true, that they emerge out of the Odunias. I, I, hey, by the way, I'm trying to pronounce that right. I don't know if that's exactly right, so if you've got a correction for me, throw that in the comments. Um, if that's true for the Campbell's, how many other clans is that true for? Were they, um, of all the clans that we, see if they're Normans, we're, a lot of times they're Normans, at least as far as the histories I've read, 
you're like, well, they actually came from a very easily recognizable place in France where they got their name and now they're here and they're doing this and that. If you go back to the Elliot episode that I recorded, um, they came with the Normans, but the source that I quoted in that made a pretty good case that they're actually Bretons from what's now France, Brittany. And they have place names. They can trace that back linguistically. They can make it work and everything. Anyway, the the seems like the people who came with the Normans, we'll, we'll say that, whether they're Bretons, whether they were Normans, whether they're Frisians, people who came with that Norman movement into Scotland, um, they can they can trace that. This That's a little bit more like, okay, the records were kept. We know these people's names. They had territory in England first before they moved up to Scotland. But the but if that's true for the Camels, they actually came from a pre-existing kindred under a different name. How many other kindreds might that be true for? How many other clans in Scotland were known by something else earlier, and then the name changed? But we don't, we didn't catch that transition as well as we did the Camels. Anyway, just a thought. Just a thought. Another interesting thing I think about them coming from a pre-existing kindred known as Mac or Odunia is that the O part of the name. Did a whole a whole episode on the Mac versus O in Scotland, and I used John Bannerman as my source because he had a whole he he wrote a piece on that there, and why did the, how did that diverge and why is like O'Neill and O'Donnell and O'Rourke so common in Ireland versus it's very rare in Scotland, but here is one of those rare cases right here with the O's. Another example in Scotland going back to maybe a similar time period would be the Obiolan earls of, of Ross farther north. So I don't know, that's, that's kind of cool. Now, before I share with you my third thing I think is significant from that paragraph about Campbell origins, let me talk to you more about USA kilts, USA kilts. Like I said earlier, I was so pleased with the quality of not only their product, but their service that, and we, we recently went through a time period where both of us could have decided like, uh, maybe it's not working out. Both of us decided it was working for us. I would not have pursued this uh, renewing this, and it was it's not a signed contract. It's uh, they're men of their word. They've done right by me with everything they said. I've done right by them, and uh, we kept it going. That's why we decided to. And I wouldn't have done that. I would not recommend their products to my loyal listeners and ruin my your trust in me. If I wasn't super confident in their product, but I, I can't, I can just tell you what my experience is. My kilt is awesome. I love wearing it. I wore it to church this last Sunday. I am a teacher. I wore it on the last day of school. I just think it's cool and I like wearing it. And so not only did we renew the relationship that we have with as a, there being my sponsor, but I also, let's, let's go for another kilt here. I wanted another piece of their uh, another product that they'd made because I was so pleased with the first experience with them. I'm actually going, my first kilt was a five yard kilt in the McFarland hunting tartan. And the next, the next product I'm getting from them is a uh, casual kilt. I wanted, you know, the five yard kilt, it's not the most expensive one they offer, but it's kind of nice. It's nice. And so I, I think that kilt is one of the best, garments for hiking 
just being in the outdoors. I love hiking in my kilt. But, you know, when you're out hiking, you're in the out in the dirt and the plants and stuff, and you don't want to take such a nice garment through that. So the casual kilt I thought was a cool option. It's made of a little bit more um, resilient material to dirt and stains and stuff like that. And so I went with it. Now, um, you know what? I'll, I'll tell you later what – I'll make another episode, and I'll tell you what – Tartan I decided to go with. Yeah, that's going to be another episode. Anyway, um, yeah, I recommend their stuff to you guys. Guys, they, it's, it's free shipping inside the U.S. It's, uh, it's, it's just superior quality product, and it's also um, superior quality customer service. That My interactions with them have been very positive. So I recommend them to you. Go out and get yourself something to show off your Scottish pride. Your, your pride and your heritage, your your ancestors by going to usakilts.com. And check out their YouTube channel at USA Kilts and Celtic Traditions. All right. Now, one last thing that I thought was interesting from, from the uh, that paragraph that I read to you. And that is that they were from British stock. And I, I, I talked about it earlier, just kind of touched on it for a second. That's the last thing I want to point out is that you would never know that from the Gallic last, the Gallic surname, or and, and the context that you know their their or, or where we plant their beginnings on the shores of Lacha, and that's solidly in the Gaeltacht, and fairly up until relatively recent times, that would have been a Gallic speaking area, and their history there goes back a really long time. Some of the earliest, earliest prominent figures in Campbell history are known as designated of Laha. But really, it looks like their homeland is down around the Firth of Clyde. And wrong map. I'm looking behind him over my sh uh, shoulder here, my wrong shoulder. Um, the Firth of Clyde area seems to be their homeland, according to what I read to you there. And that is solidly in the heart of the old kingdom of Strathclyde and the Strathclyde Britons. Um, there's a couple of points there that I thought was interesting. It, just kind of like with the the fact that they emerged from an earlier kindred and a, a different name, and if that was true for the Campbells, would it be true for other people? I also kind of take that same thought into this here. If that's true for the Campbells, who are looked to be like native people coming out of that area, what other clans would that be true for? What about the McFarlands, who have, and it's pretty solid. This isn't like lost in the mist of time. The McFarlands come from a junior branch, one of the younger sons of the Earls of Lennox. One specific Earl of Lennox, and he had a younger son. He didn't inherit the earldom, but he did inherit some territory. And boom, there you have the McFarlands. Um, the Earls of Lennox, could that be true of them, that they're actually of British stock? There is some debate back and forth, the Earls of Lennox, their origin, that usually this comes from, and this comes, uh, my source on this, I'm going to go back to um, a, a professor, a Canadian professor named um, uh, Neville, Cynthia Neville. And, and that's who actually contributed. I started on Wikipedia and drifted over because they cited their sources. Anyway, um, she says that Aline, 
the first, Earl of Lennox, is not, he's confused with Alwyn McArkill, who's a different guy and didn't have really any solid connections with the area that was known as the Lennox. So um, Aline, it's really little, very little is known about this gentleman. Other than that, he's a native of that area, probably. I, in my head, the way I was reading about this, I almost saw this come about like Farrakhan McIntaggart, who gave birth to the Clan Ross and maybe some others, uh, the McTaggarts, and where he was a, a man who was a, he was a native of the area. He had established, he comes from a, a powerful kindred already. He himself is, has shown himself to be a capable leader, and he becomes the Earl of Ross, Eileen, that kind of popped in my head, that kind of similar story as the first Earl of Lennox. But we don't know who he was or where he came from, what his lineage was, anything like that. And I'm wondering, could he be come from British stock? And if so, that would mean the McFarlands would be ultimately from British stock, being an indigenous, from the indigenous people in that area that was part of the, uh, the kingdom of Strathclyde, which may have gone clear up to Clachnabreton which is the Stone of the Britons, which is north and slightly east of McFarland territory. So that would have, they would have, their territory, their current territory, and most of what we know as the Lennox would have been in this old, uh, th this old kingdom of Strathclyde. And then the, by virtue of that, so also would the Cahoons be um, also ultimately of British stock. If the, their clancahoon.com, where they, uh, they list their origin as a junior branch also of the Lennox family. I don't know where that was in relation to the McFarlands, which would be interesting because I'm going to go on a short tangent here, excuse me, that that's interesting because they would be kindred clans, maybe like the McDougals and McDonald's, but man, they, they went at each other and the McDonald's, or I mean, rather the McFarlands teamed up with McGregor's and would raid into Cahoon territory and there's all sorts of um, interesting history there. But that would mean that the McFarlands and the, and the Cahoons were kin, as they're both offshoots of the earldom, the, the leading family, the Earls of Lennox, who may have been from British stock. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. If you have got some awesome sources and you've got, hey, Clint, I've got some stuff on this. It either confirms what you're saying or maybe it um, adds to or takes it in a different direction or maybe – Maybe my and I'm just going off of the sources. I've tried to be very clear about what sources I've been using, but that um, if you've got a better source and one I haven't looked at, that's what I'm interested. So I'm just relaying to you the sources and trying to be clear about that. But yeah, just if it's true about the Campbells and they come out of British stock, but you wouldn't really know it unless anyway you, you see where I'm going with this. Then what other clans would that be true for? Just some thoughts, guys. Just some thoughts. Some really cool things I learned from Stephen Boardman's The Campbells. 1250 to 1513. There's going to be more to come out of that book as what I'm trying to do with this effort, this podcast, this these videos is to bridge the gap between regular folks trying to learn about their Scottish heritage, specifically as it relates to the clans of Scotland. And the academic world, there's tons of awesome information out there, but it, there's just seemed to me when I was trying to learn about this and really dig deep for my master's thesis, there's just this disconnect and I'm trying to help out with that. So hopefully that's been valuable for you. Um, whatever platform you're enjoying this on, whether it's a podcast and the many platforms that are, exist in that world, or if you're on YouTube, please share this with somebody that you think might like it. 
and like I made several invitations to get involved in the conversations because that's why I started this whole thing, not only to bridge that gap between academia and regular folks, but also just get this conversation started. Let's just let's just talk to each other. Let's share information. Let's let's learn together. Um, share it, like it, subscribe. Martian Leyev and Dorasta.